0: Welcome in to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app. We're on all of them, including Podbean, Spotify, Radio FM, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, during the week, Monday through Friday, we're on Dash Radio, so download the Dash Radio app. Search for Nothing But Net. We're there every single day, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. Also, FiveReasonsSports.com with all the latest stories from our newly appointed lead heat writer, Brady Hawk. And everybody else on that website and our YouTube channel, as we speak, we now have a name for the post game show there. It's called the Post Up on Five R. It's hosted by Royal Shepherd and our Five R Skyforce team. So they're over there right now. So when you're done here, make sure that you check that out. Also check out the great sponsors of the Five Reason Sports Network. This also happens to be one of the sponsors of that particular post game show, and that's Miami Grill. We're really excited about this partnership you know the only thing better than cheering on your favorite Miami team including the heat is doing it with your favorite wings miami grills got you covered bring home a platter of your faves to share for the game tomorrow uh, sunday i guess do it for them cuz the heat play again them just how you like them crispy grilled naked or boneless and sauce to perfection with one of three new sauces that's mango habanero honey garlic and nashville hot if you can't decide get them all delivered with a catering order there's more than just wings to order for the whole family with cheesesteaks, gyros. I'm not even a gyro guy and they have great gyros, burgers and more order online or in person pickup drive-through dine-in and delivery available at all locations. They're all over South Florida. So check out mymiamigrill.com for more details. Again, right here on Fort Lauderdale, got one in Oakland, got one on commercial. They are all over the place. So just look around or go on the website. If you're craving it and Miami grill, they're making it. And now tonight's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. Here's today's floor plan. I got Greg Sylvander. Yes, he did stay up. So the two of us are going to do this episode together. We gave Alex... The night off um, second half of this episode, though, I had a chance today to talk to Eric Brown for our weekly value play segment. That is our friend over at fivereasonsrealtor.com, but also a huge heat fan. And he challenges me on some stuff from an outsider perspective. So it's actually uh, we recorded it earlier today, and I think you'll want to listen to it. We get into some of these players that are out there right now, like the Drummonds and the Cousins and, uh and and those kind of guys that are out there and, uh, and PJ Tucker, et cetera. So make sure you stick around for that. But tonight the Miami heat do win again. They're now 19 and 17 on the season, bit of a struggle offensively, just 13 points in the second quarter, but they got it going in the second half scored 59 in the second half led again, as usual by Jimmy Butler, 28 points, three rebounds, eight assists, four steals and a block. He was nine of 17 from the floor, 10 of 12, from the line, but really the bigger story tonight, because we're kind of getting used to this with Jimmy and we are going to do a full Jimmy episode here coming up and we're going to focus on the defense, but maybe it was because of my tweet, but Goran Dragic didn't do anything in the first half tonight. He was scoreless. He's looked like he really hasn't had any bursts lately. The jazz game was kind of been the one exception. And then as soon as I tweeted that we haven't seen a burst in a while, Greg, uh, he went off (laughs) 25 points. He finishes with all in the second half. 25, seven and five on the game to the point, Greg, that he was heat checking at the end of that game and still ended up nine of 15 from the floor and four of eight from three. To me, this is the most significant development tonight because they are going to need somebody other than Jimmy to be that scorer. And, you know, I just don't know that they can count on Tyler hero to be that guy right now. Tyler was one of seven from the floor, zero of three from three. Duncan did make five threes tonight, but you're not expecting him again, a sort of takeover from an isolation perspective. They got to get this Dragic more often. I, I guess the question is, how often can they get it, Greg? I mean,
1: that's the $19, $18 million question. Uh, you know, you kind of hope that this was what you're bottling up uh, all season and then in hopes of a bubble run where he could start to – to do this kind of thing uh, or a bubble like run when they get to the playoffs and kind of elevate his play and elevate his role, particularly in the offense as it comes to, uh, you know, being really aggressive, trying to find his shot. Uh, and he, he was just Goran Dragic was the Goran Dragic that we all know and love and, and kind of really got back to that tonight. It's good to know that he still has that up his sleeve. I think that um, it's a shame that Tyler is in the shooting, kind of in the shooting place that he's in, because I think it's impacting other parts of his game. He's thinking too much. I mean, only 23 minutes tonight. Um, I I don't really know what to say about Tyler right now. I think that this is going to be a situation. He's just going to have to play through it. It's similar to Kendrick Nunn. I don't think it's going to be nearly as dramatic or steep a drop. You know what I mean? Like, I still Mm -hmm. think Tyler Hero can have good games as we go. But um, I think this is just an example of a a second year player that's trying to figure it out. And it's um, not always, you know, so easy.
0: Well, I mean, you mentioned none. I mean, I don't think we're seeing quite that with Tyler because I, I don't know that he's dealing with some of the things that Kendrick was dealing with last year. But there was one sequence tonight that really spoke to it. Tyler got in the lane. He had and he had been working on that floater, and he had either a floater or a short pull-up. It was either going to be like a 10-foot pull-up or a floater in the lane, and he passed it out, and they ended up getting a three out of the possession. I don't remember if it was Olenek or or Duncan or none who made the three, but basically it was just a circumstance where the Tyler hero that we've seen the Tyler hero of last year who had no fear takes that shot. Um, and, and I, he's just not there right now. And, and look, I, I don't want to over-focus on him because I think you and I did a lot of that in the grades. Uh, obviously there's, you know, There's added import to it because people are kind of looking to see if he's going to end up being that third piece or whether he's a piece that you trade for somebody else. And I I don't think that you give up on him at this stage. I mean, his season does not dictate giving up on him. It has not been a bad season by any stretch, but I just think that some of the flair... That we saw last year has not been there this year and i don't know if it's put because they put too much on his plate at the beginning and he was thinking too much or because you know he was at least maybe not by the heat but certainly by heat fans being thrown into every rumor and everything else that was going on or it's just the product of it's two months after the bubble last year he didn't have a lot of time you know from that he made the big improvements it seemed like you know during the COVID break prior to the bubble So I'm not sure exactly what it is, but hes you just can't count on him nightly. That's the thing. You may get it, but you're not going to. Now, last year in the bubble, you could count on Dragic every single night. And this year has been a little bit more, and we talked about this during the grades episode, Greg, it's been a little bit more up and down. Um, And, you know, again, he missed time with an injury, which I think we were anticipating. He looked like he had some bursts when he came back, but it tends to come and go maybe more than it did in the bubble last year. But then you see tonight, and this looked not only like the Goran Dragic in the playoffs in the bubble, but it also looked like the Goran Dragic who announced himself against San Antonio by scoring like 25 points in the fourth in a playoff game when he was a backup point guard, and he nearly scored 25 points in the fourth tonight. So I I think this will make the Heat feel better, honestly. I think it'll make them feel a lot better that it's still there for Goran, and I think now the question is, can you nurse him enough to the end of the season when you have to rely on him for offense? Because as good as this team has been defensively, and they've been terrific last 16 games, they're the number one defense in the NBA. I don't know how the hell that happened, other than Jimmy just being amazing, but they haven't even had Bam the last three games, who was the guy, unlike Jimmy, who was on one of the two all-defensive teams last year. I, I just think... To me, Greg, this is about kind of nursing Goran to the playoffs without having to rely on him too much so that we can see this in the postseason. You know, it's interesting. We talk about Goran and even back
1: on our grades episode that you referenced a moment ago, um, which I think I was was really harsh. Maybe I was grumpy that day Uh, because if I look at Goran's numbers like right now, um, he's Essentially, playing a minute less per game, and obviously he's missed more. He's missed games, but he's shooting better from the field, albeit on one, almost one less field goal attempt. But also um, shooting right in line with what he shot last year from three. He's better from the free throw line, um, and rebounds and assists are essentially the same. Uh, so it's just it's a situation where I think I I may have said earlier on that Goran. Um, That that I wish that there were moments where I saw more from him, and you know everything is relative. I think that it's it's a situation where it's unrealistic to expect him to be able to do this night after night uh, throughout the regular season. So. Yeah, I think it's important that we have these nights where you see these bursts and then you have to, you know, hope he can bottle it up. And And maybe, you know what, maybe it comes at spurts. Maybe we see two weeks of this Goran Dragic and then it kind of goes away again and then it comes back because the playoffs arrive and that kind of thing.
0: Well, and look, like I said, they needed it tonight because offensively there really wasn't much other than sort of Jimmy bullying to the basket, which he did really well. And, and, and you know, we're going to get into some rotation decisions here after the break. But the one thing I did want to note is, you know, Jimmy Butler erased Zach Levine in the fourth quarter. And I I don't know if it was just Jimmy's defense or the and I was a little worried about my prize picks, Greg, because I had had Jimmy using the code five. I had Jimmy and Zach both over their point totals. And Zach was at 25. He needed to get to 27. And I think he was going to get there. He ended up with 30. But Jimmy erased him. I think part of it is that Chicago's kind of a dumb team, like the way they play. Like they didn't get the ball to him at all in the fourth. And yeah, be, be, totally you know, disorganized. Disorganized. And, and I I don't I think it's going to take Billy Donovan some time. I, they don't have the team that he wants to have yet. They're still in transition, which is one of the reasons why we think that a Thad Young or others may be available, because I think they're still sort of figuring out what they're going to be. I mean, marketing got off a little bit in the fourth. He was inconsistent to that point. But Jimmy did a great job defensively on Levine, again, in combination with the Bulls not really utilizing him correctly uh, in that fourth quarter. And Jimmy has just been – I mean, if there's been a better defender in the NBA over the past 15 games, I'd like to see him. I mean, he has been unbelie- – he's playing the passing lanes. He's locking up one-on-one. He seems to have endless energy. It's been amazing. And we are going to do a longer episode kind of focusing on – Exactly, you know what's gone on defensively because look, they're still playing Duncan Robinson, they're still playing Kelly Olinick, they're still playing Tyler Hero, they're still playing Goran Dragic. They don't have Bam out of bio, and all of a sudden, they're an elite defense. Uh, when, when their personnel would not, other than Jimmy Butler and I guess 36, 37 year old Andre Iguodala would not dictate that. So it's been kind of amazing. So we'll get into that in future episodes. I think we're going to deep dive on it maybe early in the week. But before we do, we're going to get into a little bit of rotation talk here, and we're going to tell you about another of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's mybookie.ag. If you want to bet, this is what we recommend on Five on the Floor, not just on the NBA, but March is here, so the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with mybookie. Select the winners. they got a special thing going on. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the MyBucky bracket contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes. And it's only a buck to enter. It doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner or simply looking for player and game props. MyBookie has you covered. So sign up at mybookie.ag. We've made it easy for you. We changed the promo code to just five. So it's not five on the floor anymore. It's just five, F-I-V-E, to secure a deposit bonus up to a thousand bucks. That's the promo code five to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, and NHL. Panthers are hot right now. No matter the sport, no matter the minute from tip off the buzzer, my bookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. So go to mybookie.ag, use the code five. Um, Greg, before we, we get to the, the value play segment tonight, what do you make of um, Precious playing three minutes tonight after he was kind of benched last night? He threw the ball away. Eric kind of got upset at him, period, and didn't play again. And Chris Silva playing 12 and Akpala playing 25. No Harkless, by the way, uh, but 25 for Akpala, and and 12 minutes and i thought actually this to me was like chris the best chris silva's played since early in his rookie season yeah
1: for sure um uh, there's a few things here that i think are really interesting one is that with precious now um kind of getting yanked from the last game it appeared so that, and chris silva there, there was an example and a message sent there um as subliminal as, as some may take it to be that it was sent. And then tonight, uh, you know, he gets out there, looks uneven again. And I think you're just, this is a situation where Precious has hit the rookie wall and there's no doubt about that. Um, I don't know, um, if it's coming a little earlier than maybe usual, but I guess not, this is probably around that time. So I would, I would imagine that, um, there's a chance and this is, further going to complicate the big man situation and could open up other conversations for us down the line and other pod topics is that like if precious becomes non-functional then you're really in a pickle when it comes to like this whole big man situation on the roster so it's dicey when you think about it in that in the context of if he's being phased out and he's not playable for some stretch, what does that mean? Because I don't know that Chris Silva. Yeah. He got 11 minutes tonight and he always plays hard, but I feel like when you play some of the best teams in the league, you just get outclassed when you get Chris Mm -hmm. Silva on the, on the floor too long. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so I'm a little worried about that. If that's for an extended stretch and you know, you just hope that maybe some trade reinforcements could be on their way.
0: Well, I think, yeah, I think it's indicative that, you know, if we were expecting Precious to kind of take another leap during the season, that was, that might kill the idea of them needing another big. I think what we've seen in the past week is that that's probably not going to happen. And so, you know, that that kind of just leaves you with Olinick with Bam, because like you said, I, I don't think that the plan was, I mean, Chris Silva has been in mothballs for a, half a season And he's pretty much the same play. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I I thought he did what he does well tonight. Um, but there's not a whole lot else there. Right. So yeah,
1: I, I Chris think, Selva could be Joel Anthony one day, but this is not a team that needs
0: Joel Anthony correct, right now. Correct. 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 And, and they're not going to and this team wouldn't have played Joel Anthony down the stretch of games. Okay. Not the way that they're configured. Joel would not have been, you know, somebody, and again, we love the warden, but this is a different kind of Eric Spolster team that that kind of team just needed, a, you know, a big to block some shots and run the floor, you know, and have some energy next to Bosch. And at times they needed more than that, didn't have it right, which is why they experimented with 12 different centers before they finally turned it over to Chris as the lead center. Uh, This team does not need that. This team needs a player to actually play next to Bam that can stretch the floor. It's not going to be precious this season. It's pretty clear. And so you're pretty much just reliant entirely on Olympic, which, again, is why we get back to this same point you can't really trade Kelly for another big and think that's going to make you better. You need to keep Kelly and get a big. Um, And, and especially when, you know, even when Bam comes back, I mean, Kelly tonight was a plus seven, nine points, nine rebounds, three assists. He was four of 11 from the field, but he was fine. And I actually think, you know, his defense was pretty good again tonight and it was really good last night. So uh, I think the precious thing Silva playing for precious is a net negative. It, it, it means you've gone backwards in, in my view at least for this part of the season. And it does indicate that they're going to need another big there. All right. When we come back, um, and again, we appreciate you sticking around. Got a chance to talk to Eric Brown today from fivereasonsrealtor.com. You want to see someone else kind of press me on some of my opinions. He was not a fan of my grades. I'll just leave it there. Not a fan of my grades. Greg, people thought that you were too easy. He thought I was too easy. So we're going to get into that here in a second. We'll be back on Sunday after the heat's next game. And again, as I, I got this wrong on Twitter, the Heat are now 20 and 18, I apologize, not 19 and 17. I've lost count. They're two games over 500. Thanks for joining us. All right. Welcome back to five on the floor on the five reasons sports network. Now we're going to bring you one of our regular segments here. It's with our friend, Eric. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. You can find him at five reasonsrealtorcom five F I V E reasonsrealtor.com. We call it value plays. It's where kind of takes a look at the numbers, just sort of way he does in real estate, tries to bring things down, sometimes puts me on the spot a little bit. We got three basic topics every week. Eric, let's get to number one.
2: Well, first, what value do we put on players with expiring contracts of more than? 20 million annually, whose teams you know, suddenly issue press conferences you know, shortly before the trade deadline that have verbiage like, we mutually agreed that player X is not going to play anymore. This is like the NBA equivalent to, I've gathered up all of my old, out of style, previously very expensive designer clothes, and put them on the curb for trash day, which is March 25th but while they're out there waiting for the trash truck to pick them up, you can buy them. So the answer is they're not worth much. Lamarcus Aldridge, who there's been a lot of discussion about being connected with the Heat,
1: mm.
2: the Heat, they're literally, the Spurs are literally willing to pay him not to play. Why? Because they're nine points per 100 per sessions worse with him on the court so when you read an article like greg schwartz wrote in bleacher report about the heat trading iguodala and olinic for lamarcus aldridge you got to understand that's a ridiculous and massive overpay
0: i'm with you on that um and actually i i think i tweeted my response to that was the heat would never do this and in addition to the overpay aspect of this the Heat are trying to add rotation players, not subtract them. Um, you know, right now, the depth, which I talked about at the beginning of the year, has not turned out to be real depth. They've essentially got five or six dead roster spots. And so you can't have a situation where you're trading two guys who are playing already for one. I, that puts you at a deficit. So, I mean, exploring a trade for Aldridge or Aldridge and Rudy Gay, which is really more what they want, is, is you know, a consideration. But not making a two-for-one trade, of guys who at least are playing some kind of a role for you. And in, in the case of Linux, one is starting. In the case of the other, Iguadala, he's finishing. So I, I just it, – it would be very surprising to me to see them do that, and I I don't think there's any chance that that would actually occur.
2: Good. That's reassuring because that's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, the, the next one that, that I want to complain about a little bit, take umbrage with, is the way that you last week uh, gave grades, the grades that you gave specifically to uh, Hero and Duncan Robinson relative to expectations. I don't know what kind of grades they gave out at Johns Hopkins, but uh, I, I don't think they were quite this lenient. I don't see how you give a C plus relative to expe- expectations, first off with regard to Hero. C means satisfactory or, or average. I don't see how going from what we saw in the bubble where he was, hey, this could be a future star. Uh, And then I don't know if we want to trade him for James Harden. Uh, We installed him as a starter to, and uh, now the perception of the national media is he's not having a great year. And even one scout that Barry Jackson quoted in in his article last week says, he has the feel of a six man to me. That's not somebody that, Uh, just kind of met expectations in an average or or satisfactory way. And then the last one, and then I want to hear your comments, uh, Duncan Robinson. It's maybe to a little lesser extent. Duncan Robinson last year was the fourth leading three-point shooter uh, in the NBA. He had basically, as you know, like an historic catch-and-shoot season at 44.6%. This year, at 38.6%, He's 73rd in the NBA in three-point shooting. Last year, he was 8.8 percentage points above league average. And this year, he's only 1.8% above league average. And while a little regression was probably expected, I personally, I'm disappointed in both of these players, much more so in Hero. And... I think it we kind of leaves the heat with a problem. If these are the guys that they were thinking about trading to get that 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 superstar, that three-level score, we talk, start talking about because their value is not as good, let alone their contribution to everyday play.
0: All right. Um, first thing, I think a lot of that is fair. Uh, what I will say is, I actually think I was the harshest grader on at least one of those two guys. I think I was the second harshest. On the other, so I was not the most lenient. I will say that. Um, I here, here's here's. Uh, let me take them individually. Uh, as far as hero goes, my my thought on that is this: I'm with you that he has not been as consistently impactful. Uh, with that being said, I think there's a little bit of revisionist history about his rookie season. He went through some dead patches in his rookie year. Um, and, you know, it's we're remembering certain things that happened in the bubble, and yes, his game did elevate in the bubble. His numbers now are actually pretty similar to what they were. In the postseason, at least up until the finals. So, you know, it, I, I don't I he has improved since last season statistically, pretty much by every measure, except the shooting percentage, which I, I do think some of that was a result of too much responsibility early in the season. But actually, you know, he, he he has improved since then, but I think people are measuring him against the sort of the second season he played last year in the playoffs, and so he's basically been a flat line statistically and hasn't had as many of those moments that you remember. I mean, there's been no moment like the Philadelphia game last year uh, where, you know, he pulls up one on three on the break. I mean, he had, I don't feel, I feel like he hasn't made a pull-up three all year. <laughs> it's been a transition. And he made a bunch of those last year, had a bunch of flourishes. So I, I, I'm, I'm with you to a degree. He's not been as impactful as he was last year. But I think statistically, it doesn't really say that. Now, I do think where I did agree with you, and this is why I did put him in the C range, was because they were expecting him to emerge as a starter this year and it didn't happen. And so uh, their expectations were higher for him, I think, than he played out to. And so, I, but I don't, I felt like a guy who improves statistically, it's hard for me to give him a D. Um, as far as Duncan goes, I'm with you on that too. Now, again, the way he's being played has affected that, no question. And also the fact that Jimmy hasn't been on the floor with him as much. This year, I think has really hurt him. So I think I cushioned his fall a little bit, but I've been pretty clear on this, Eric, like, you know, dunk to be, to be a player, you're going to pay 18 to $20 million to, and I think that's about where this was, was going to come in. You have to be special, special in that one thing that you do. And this year he's just been good. Okay. And, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with good typically if he was a player who did all the other things, but while he's gotten better in some of those areas, he doesn't grab as much on defense, a little bit better as a playmaker. He's, he's always been okay. Finisher. He doesn't get a lot of opportunities still doesn't really have a mid range game, but there's a little, there's a little more sort of flexibility to his game now, but not enough to make up for the fact that he's gone from elite among the elite to simply good at the one skill that he's really there for. So To me, they both sort of fell into the C range. Um, You know, not awful. I mean, I've seen some guys really regress. I mean, what we saw from Kendrick Nunn in the bubble, that was D to F level, right? Um, I don't think that's been the case for either of these guys, but I understand what you're saying that perhaps I was a little bit lenient.
2: Yeah, I think uh, it's just relative to expectations. We're not saying these are bad players. We're just saying what we expected from them. And when you talk, I mean, before the season started, when we recognized that maybe Harkless and Bradley weren't the best replacement for Crowder, there was a lot of discussion and expectation that there would be internal growth, which would make the heat better. And while there has been growth from Bam, there hasn't been from these two.
0: I'm with you. And yet at the same time, I do think that there's an expectations game with Bam, which I talked about, which is you're expecting his statistically he's much better than he was last season, but you're also expecting him to take over more often, especially when Jimmy's not out there. And so I sort of knocked him a little for that, not to the level that I knocked here on Robinson, but just that's the only reason I couldn't give Bam an, in the A level for expectations, because my expectation was there were going to be at least a couple games a month where we were like, okay, Bam just took that thing over. Um, he'll take over a quarter. He'll take over a few possessions. He hasn't really taken over a fourth like he did against Boston last year. And, and so... Uh, to me, that, that's kind of where I, I nitpicked at him just a little bit.
2: Okay. Um, the other one, which is, kind of, which is related to this, was when you reported last week uh, about the, the, in, an inside look at how the Heat were thinking, when you questioned them about flipping uh, Dragic for a, a first-round pick, the response was you said that they laughed at you and said other organizations might do that that's not us well first of all whenever i hear in business you know that's not how we do things uh that immediately is a red flag because business is something that's evolving constantly and, and the franchise is a business but but to start off with Sacrificing an, an asset in the short term to improve in the long run, that is something that they just did. It's not something that they, that's not us. And specifically, I'm referring to Jay Crowder. They didn't they sacrificed at that position because they, they, they were willing to take a step back and accept Mo Harkless. And, and even if you want to tell me that they had other players that they were thinking of uh, getting, specifically Morris, uh, that's not, he's not as good as Jay Crowder. So they knew they were taking a step back, but the the reason that they were taking a step back was to take two steps forward because they thought they could maybe get Giannis or they could get Bradley Beal. And I I didn't disagree with that strategy I think that that was a gamble that was worth taking. I think that was a smart thing. I like the fact that the organization is trying to win the championship all the time. But when you talk about, you know, t- t- not you know, that we don't take a step back to go forward. We don't. We don't do that. Other other organizations do that. Mm-hmm. That brings to me brings to mind to me at times the heat get they have a little bit of hubris they they have an organization that they should be very proud of. They, they, you know, they're one of the best run organizations, but I think they get a little too full of themselves. You know, that's like saying other organizations value draft picks. That's not us or other organizations, uh, you know, scout and sign euros. That's not us. That's got them. That's got them into problems. Those were not necessarily the best decisions. And right now the have nots in the league are valuing draft picks Mm -hmm. and they couldn't get hardened because they didn't have any picks to send. Uh, if, if Washington ever uh, decides to trade Beal, they're going to want picks. These teams start over. And if you're not in a position to get to the NBA Finals, you're, uh, you've got to start looking at some ways to get up first-round picks so that you can make that same jump that you wanted to make uh, with Giannis.
0: That's fair. Um, I will say also another example of them – taking steps back or at least taking steps sideways uh, to sort of preserve the future would be kind of during Dwayne's prime, right? 2008 to 2010, where they did have opportunities to get guys. They almost got Lamar Odom, which might've sabotaged 2010, as it turned out um, if Lamar had come, but, you know, they made the sideways moves, the Sean Marion move, you know, with Shaq. And then, you know, for Jermaine O'Neal, and they were basically, moves you know where just sort of keep yourself competitive but not really really push forward and and we could look back now and say that you know, Dwayne's couple, two best years were probably squandered, you know, 2008, 2009, 2009,
2: 2010. I always, Uh, always have been, I've been mad about that, like forever, whenever I look at Dwayne's career. Right.
0: And I think that, I think Dwayne was frustrated about that. I remember in Boston, he said, you know, I need help. Um, I was there. I mean, he said that in the, in the, in the, uh, in the interview room afterwards. I mean, that was a game that the guy who was supposed to be his number, number two, didn't know where the hell to go on the court, Michael Beasley, and was benched (laughs) for the second half. And basically Dwayne had had enough. Long before that, but I do think that with Dwayne, that there was a payoff. They brought in one, of two of his best friends, or at least one of his best friends, another who became one of his best friends, uh, and they won two titles and reached four finals in four years. and And to an extent, you know, carried him after his prime, right? Because Dwayne was really only Dwayne for the first season of the Big Three. After that, it was there were moments of Dwayne, flashes, so to speak, but not not consistent, and and he wasn't consistently healthy, so. I feel like they feel like they made it up to him in the end, but yeah, we'll never know. Right. Like if they had, if they had made splash moves in 08, you know, 09 or, I mean, but they were looking at players like Mo Williams. And I mean, I, I don't know necessarily that there was somebody that was going to get them over the top. So I understand what you're saying. I do think there's been some hubris in the organization, the Euro thing. I mean, you know, they tried Sasha Danilovich and Martin Mirosep, and, you know, Sasha just wanted to smoke. I mean, not my daughter, Sasha, but that <laughs> Sasha. Uh, and, and, uh, and Martin Mircep was a complete bust. And they basically decided, they basically punted on international scouting for a decade, um, you know, after that. And then, you know, and then we, we also look at, you know, like, the draft pick stuff. I do think they've learned the lesson from the draft pick perspective um, to the point, And I've told this story where when, you know, Danny Ainge was offering the world to get Justice Winslow, you know, Pat Riley turned to Adam Simon, you know, in their, in their meeting and said, you always wanted picks. Should I take the picks? And the decision was made, take the player. So I I do think that, that there's been a little bit more willingness on Pat's part to understand the value of those picks. And I do think you're right. One of the points that was made to me by the heat about the Harden situation is that everybody's talking about how they could have gotten in on Harden, but they didn't want to trade Robinson and hero. And they're like, it never really got to that necessarily because we just didn't have what, what Houston wanted, which ultimately Houston was kind of undecided, but ultimately what they wanted was just a ton of picks and a ton of pick swaps, and Miami couldn't get those. So I, I get what you're saying. Um I still but agree.
2: Now, it's a seller's market. If you were ever going to get a a pick mm-hmm. for Dragic, now would be the time, you know, to yes. do it. Assuming that there's a team that matches up that. Um, you know that that's another issue. But well, still. the
0: other issue with that, of course, is that the teams that would want Dragic, right, are teams that typically are pretty good. <laughs> good, uh, excuse me. That could use him for a stretch run. Like we're talking about a top six to eight team in the league, right? And those teams are not going to have a high pick. So, I mean, protected or not protected, you're you're not going to get great value there necessarily. And and I think the other problem is, it's the collateral damage of that of that. You know, this is an organization that you know, dealt with the Dwayne thing. They, and I think they're very committed to taking care of their most important guys. Dragic is one of them. And he also happens to be, you know, their star's best player, best friend on the team. And so I, I think that that creates an additional challenge there, but yeah, they were never going to do it. Um, regardless, it's not their philosophy. Even if Dragic wasn't Jimmy Butler's best friend.
2: Even i uh, uh- just want to make one point here and i'm going to let it go let this go i want to beat it to death um if the heat had said to you goran is too important to our team you know if we if we trade him right now there's going to be a huge hole that you know for a pick there's a hole that's going to we can't replace or we can't do it for the reasons you just said i'd be fine with that uh, i might I might prefer to have a draft pick as a fan going forward, but I'll understand it. But the response you got was something completely different, and that's why I'm taking issue with it.
0: I got you. I got you. All right. Now, where do people take uh, take up with you for real estate? Where do they find you?
2: Uh, five reasons, realtor.com. Also, I got a house that's been completely remodeled in uh, Boca Raton. I'm going to be in the high fives. There's no inventory up there. So if you want to go live in Boca Raton, um, contact me. FiveReasonsRealtor.com.
0: I know that area pretty well. East or west? It's west. Okay. A very nice neighborhood. You're right. There's very little inventory out there. I can speak to that. All right, Eric, find him again at 5 reasons, The name is Eric Brown. Thank you, sir. We'll do it again next week.
2: I'll look forward to it. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the 5 Reasons Sports Network.